cross the Adriatic Sea from Italy, and you'll encounter a beguiling mix of spectacular scenery, Venetian-style architecture, getaway islands that may be hard to pronounce but that you'll remember forever, and culinary traditions that build on what you'll find in Italy and up in the Alps. The Adriatic coast of the former Yugoslavia has been showing up on the top of must-see lists now in affordable getaways of Europe for some time. Our experts to this region are here to tell us why. Ben Curtis teaches European politics and history at Seattle University. He guides American tourists around Europe in the summer, and he's written A Traveler's History of Croatia. Marjan Kriskovic takes visitors around the region from his home base in Slovenia, and he knows the coast intimately since he was raised on the Croatian island of Rab. Ben and Marianne, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Marianne, give us the lay of the land. What is the Adriatic coast? What is the Dalmatian coast? Uh, what are the different parts of the coast? People, for most part, think of the Croatian coast. There are several distinct parts going up from the big Istrian peninsula, which takes about 10% of the entire surface of Croatia, and the Bay of Kvarna that it closes in, and then uh, most of the rest of the coastline down to Dubrovnik, which is probably the most famous city on the Croatian coastline that is uh, known way beyond Croatia itself is um, really Dalmatia. So uh, Dalmatia. Proper. So it's basically from Venice at the top of the Adriatic Sea. At the end of Italy, we get a, a little bit of Slovenia, and then we have the Istrian Peninsula, which That's is right. Croatian, right? The Slovenian part is uh, truly tiny. You've got a couple of towns. If you're driving in a car, you sneeze, you miss it. In but there fact, is one nice town. I mean, isn't Pirin the, the yes, resort there? Yes, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's a jewel of uh, Venetian architecture. P-I-R-A-N. Piran. And it's tied right next to a resort town, Porto Roche, Port of Roses. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, Piran was really... I mean, the resort towns in that part of the world are mostly for local peoples looking for discos and stretches of beaches and this sort of thing, in my uh, estimate. And the old historic port towns have the charm that a lot of Americans are looking for. In fact, if you like Venice... You get a dash of Venice all across the Dalmatian coast. Why is that? Uh, That's uh, because in uh, different parts of the coast, anywhere from uh, 800 to 500 years, most of that coastline was an essential part of the Venetian Republic. And so Venice gave its its main imprint in terms of architecture, food, culture, and every other way. So you see a lot of those winged lions all along the coastline. Hey, uh, Ben Curtis, there's a mix of... uh, Croatian, Venetian, communist Habsburg heritage. How does that all mix together in your sightseeing on the coastline? Also, how from all of that history comes the charms of the Adriatic coast? Yeah, I would add in another ingredient to that, which is one of the things that makes traveling along the eastern Adriatic coast so wonderful, and that's the Roman ingredient. So you can go back to Roman times. You can see those fantastic Roman columns. You can even see Egyptian sphinxes um, here in the architecture. But it's just this patchwork where you can stand on one town square in some place like Split and see Roman columns. You can see medieval Romanesque churches. You can see the Venetian Gothic windows and the winged lion of St. Mark's. And then you even get Art Nouveau from the Habsburg times. So you don't have to even move a pace <laughs> and you see it all right there. And you were talking about Split just yeah, and then? Yeah, Split. Is how it... Talk about the, the core of what Split, the nucleus from where Split came. Right, yeah. Split is one of my favorite places in the world, really, because it's, like I I always say, that it's the only place in the world where a city has grown up inside of an old Roman emperor's palace. And Diocletian, the Roman emperor who died in 313 um, CE, he created this palace through his retirement there, and uh, it was this incredibly well-preserved ancient structure. And then after the fall of the Roman Empire, people came and moved in, and they claimed it for their own, and that's how Split grew up into a city. That is really... It's pretty rare that you can have a resort town with the wonderful 
passeggiata, the stroll mm. with the palm trees, and then surrounding you are bits of Rome and several other empires. Marian Kriskovic, uh, you're from Slovenia, but you grew up mm-hmm. on an island in Croatia, Rob, right? True, and I was always fascinated by those precise components that Ben was talking about, just the layers of history right there. For instance, on the island where I grew up, my uh, father was from the island of Rob, and that's where I finished both elementary and high school. My father would have vineyards and olive groves, and some of those olive trees would go back uh, almost a thousand years. Thousand-year-old olive trees. That's right. Imagine the history they've seen. Precisely, and they were always tended by all those different people, all those different civilizations. And when you pick those olives and you tend to that tree, that represents a a direct living link to all those civilizations that inhabited that same space. Oh, man, and that's what's really inspirational to me is to meet people like you, whose families have been there for centuries, and you know the ground, you know the trees, you know the mountains, you know the stories, you know the wars, and you know the festivals. This is something just so exciting about traveling, where you mix the natural wonders and the historic wonders all together, and it's done so well on the Dalmatian coast or the Adriatic coast, uh, mostly along the coastline of Croatia. True. True. Roots go a long way in Europe, yes. (laughs) This is Travel with Rick Steves, and as we do every week, we're spending an hour in other lands, learning more about cultures so we can become citizens of the planet and enjoy our travels smarter. Today we're joined by Marjan Kriskovic and Ben Curtis. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Kathy's calling in from Toronto in Ontario. Kathy, thanks for your call. Oh, you're welcome. We're planning on going to Croatia. We're renting a car, and we're going to make our way towards the coast, uh, starting in Split. And then we'd like to do some island hopping, and I was wondering what islands would you suggest and uh, for how long? Marianne, what about islands? Uh, Because you grew up on an island, and and, uh, there's some famous islands, uh, but how can people sort through the the tourist traps and so on? Croatia has more than a 1,000 islands to choose from, and there are less than half a dozen of the really famous ones and touristy ones. So in one way, uh, going from Split, that would be definitely the island of uh, Hvar, which is uh, featured in so many top 10 islands of the world lists uh, and so on nowadays in different travel magazines. Brač is very uh, accessible from there. But if you're really not into crowds in high summer, you might consider Vis, which is a slightly longer journey with a ferry boat, or further down south, um, Mliet. How do you spell Vis? Vis, V-I-S. And the last one you mentioned? Mliet, M-L-J-E-T. M-L-J-E-T. And then you also mentioned Havar, H-V-A-R. Now, this is the one that's easy to get to because it's a, a quick hop on the ferry from Split, where almost everybody will go, and it's a nice stop between Split and Dubrovnik. Mm-hmm. Describe the um, the ritzy ambience, the Croatian Riviera feel, the, the yachts stern tied to the harbor and so on that you'd find in Havar. Well, the backdrop for all of this is, of course, this beautiful historic city, which goes back many centuries, uh, again, with the layers of architecture and history that we talked about earlier, it started drawing with its uh, mild climate that's year-round. It's been recognized for centuries, and in the past it uh, earned the nickname the Austrian Madeira when it was still part of the Austrian coastline. Uh, and so that's been recognized by a lot of the uh, rich and famous. It uh, was just enough away from the coastline to be bypassed by the really big resort development, even though there's no shortage of uh, that. And so nowadays it tends to be targeted by many of the who's who uh, lists of uh, the rich and famous of the world with their big yachts who tend to be chased by the paparazzi and that, of course, uh, brings Khvar into all the headlines. There's some good ideas for you, Kathy. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Marcia's on the line in Spokane, Washington. Marcia, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. 
I actually had a comment about uh, Corchula. Oh, yeah. The island of Corchula. We were there a couple of summers ago, and we rented a scooter for the day and uh, just took off across the island and really got away from everything. We visited a couple of, I think, three different beaches. We just kind of went beach hopping and um, found this incredible little road down. It was a very, very steep road. In fact, our scooter almost didn't make it back up. I thought we were going to have to get off and push. But um, it was just an awesome day of, of just pure exploring. No agenda, no map, no nothing. Now, you did something really, really cool. You went to the most touristy town, I think, on the coast, Corchula, and it's delightful. It's like a teeny pint-sized Venice, but overrun with tourists. You enjoy that, of course, but you rent a motorbike or a little motor scooter, and then you go exploring on your own, and within a mile, I would imagine you're completely away from all the tourist crowds. Oh, yeah, it was great. I don't think we saw any tourists all day long. Ben, when you're traveling, uh, talk a little bit about how you can turn a touristy place into an untouristy place, and also how a lot of these towns have their historic old town, which has all the, the kind of charm, and then kind of a modern, sprawling place, which might have more facilities but less character. Right, yeah, I think it's a great idea, as charming as the old town can be, to get out of them, and it's easy to do because, yeah, you can rent a scooter. Another thing that I love to do is it's pretty easy to rent just a little boat for the day, a little motorboat, ah. and you can take it out. Here's what I like to do. You go to the, the market in the morning, you get yourself a picnic lunch, then you hop in the boat, and you spend the entire day not island hopping, but islet hopping. And all around Croatia, there's, you know, as Marjan said, there's over a thousand islands, little rocky outcroppings, little bigger places. By Cortula, there's a nice little island which has an old Franciscan monastery on it. And you go and you, like, swim off your boat and claim the island, and you plant your flag, and that's your island for 45 minutes. Your and then own you move on. islet in the middle of the Dalmatian coast. It's like exactly. you're a jet setter. You've got your own special <laughs> exactly. place. Your own but bring your own water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bring your own, wild, your own water and your own parachute with your own uh, cured ham and make yourself a great picnic. So that's a fantastic way to spend a day on the Croatian coast uh, away from the crowds. And then the modern areas, as you mentioned, you know, they might not have their charm, but... Uh, that's where you'll actually see more locals, that that's where the locals will go to the market. And that's where you should go find the fish market, the, the bakery, the uh, supermarket, and maybe pick up some picnic supplies mm-hmm. and that kind of part of town. Marcia, did you picnic or did you eat at little restaurants? Oh, no, we picnicked. We had a picnic. We stopped and had a drink at a little place, but uh, mostly picnic. What was the language barrier? How was your Croatian? Well, my Croatian is very poor, but <laughs> we had no issue. It's It's like English has become really... Anybody that wants to serve tourists speaks English. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing how Yugoslavia has come out of its uh, terrible civil war just a couple decades ago, and today it it feels like uh, people are getting it together okay, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any issues at all. No issue like that. Great. Thanks, Marcia, for your tips. Thank you. Bye now. Marjan Kriskovic and Ben Curtis are our guides to the easy-to-love Adriatic coast of Croatia and a little bit of Slovenia. And you can join us on Travel with Rick Steves at 877-333-7425. Gerilyn's on the line in Watsonville, California. Hi, Gerilyn. Do you have any tips for our listeners? Hi. I just wanted to recommend a small place that we discovered about an hour south of Split called Boschka Voda. It's right on the water with a huge backdrop of, of mountains, so you have to walk. We, we took the bus because we were tired of driving on the, the roads there. So we took the bus from uh, Dubrovnik and came up the coast and landed in Boschka We stayed in a little pension just right on, practically on the beach. There was a little sidewalk uh, cafe that, that was a part of the pension uh, right outside and then a small street and then a 
beautiful, charming little harbor that you could just walk around and look at all the boats. It just felt like being at home at this place. Sounds and like it a... was mainly visited by Croatians, too. There were, I don't know if I ever heard much English at all, hardly ever. Well, let, let, let's, let's hear from our Croatian uh, guide about Baska Voda. What does Baska Voda mean? Uh, Baška voda means uh, the water of uh, of Baška, um, uh-huh. and this is uh, one of the small towns yeah, just south of Split, and it's part of the Makarska Riviera, which is the the closer, bigger town in that region. And that's in fact where the Croatian Tourist Board will go to make photographs of some of the nicest beaches ah. in Croatia, with beautiful pebbly beaches and uh, the azure water. And often people wonder, well, where is that? So that's places like uh, Baška voda, and they're Lots of little towns like that just to the south. Some have uh, more tourist facilities, some less, so um, one can always find the right spot for themselves, just like with the islands. There are the really crowded ones, and they're the ones that have um, no traffic, no cars, and one can easily get away and truly experience the Mediterranean as it once was. Gerilyn, you found the cover girl beach town of the Croatian tourist board. We did. You know, we just felt so at home there, even though... You know, we were surrounded by people that were speaking a different language, although I must say we were so impressed with the English when we visited Croatia. Oh, yeah. Just It was no problem. Well, you know, it is sort of counterintuitive, but the countries that have a um, smaller number of people speaking their language, like Croatians compared to Italians or Germans or French, will be more likely to speak English in a lot of cases. So whereas you might expect to find a language barrier in Bosnia or Croatia or Slovenia or Latvia... Those kind of places are where well-educated young people are very likely to speak English, and it makes it easy for us travelers. Yes, it really does. And and the people were just really friendly. I don't know. I, I There's a few places I've been where I just felt so at home. We would, you know, just walk across the street to one beach, or we'd walk up the other way and pass several beaches. You could even watch walk to the next town along the beach. And then when it came time to go to a restaurant, uh, what was the language barrier like, and what was the food like? Well... <laughs> This was the great thing about this place. It was called Pension Palak, uh-huh. P-A-L-A-C. And they included a very, very generous breakfast that you'd just go out and sit on the sidewalk cafe there and have whatever you wanted, really, from eggs and yogurt and toast and bacon and eggs, whatever you wanted. And then for 10 euros extra, you'd get a three-course dinner also. Wow. <laughs> Ten yeah, euro, uh, it so it's like fourteen dollars for a I mean, dinner. I remember the shrimp risotto that we had was excellent, and it was so much that we had it for lunch the next day as well. That sounds like a winner, Gerilyn. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Happy travels. Bye. This is travel with Rick Steves. We've been exploring the Adriatic coastline of Croatia. Talk about an undiscovered compared to the French and the Italian and the Spanish coastline. This is really. An exciting place to check out, and our callers have been giving these wonderful little ad-lib, impromptu bits of offbeat joy that they find in their travels. One of the great things for me when I'm traveling on the Adriatic coastline are the romantic bars that you can find, uh, just for a a nice glass of wine as the sun's going down, and and you get sort of, you become part of the scene. And uh, we've been joined by Ben Curtis and Marjan Kriskovic, and I'd like to sum up, you guys, with just your favorite bar scene or your favorite romantic sunset where you can enjoy a drink and be right there thoroughly anchored in a beautiful way on the Adriatic coastline. Ben? Well, the the highlight recommendation, I guess, for anybody, if you go to Dubrovnik, there's these two little bars on the rocks outside the walls of Dubrovnik. And 
that will be, if you hit it at sunset, I mean, everybody tries to do it at sunset, right? But if you hit it there, you have a glass of wine, of local wine, of a cocktail, whatever you want, and there's one of the most magnificent cities in all the Mediterranean at your back, and there is the fantastically, beautifully blue Adriatic at your front, and the sunset just popping mm. down the water, and that mm. is something you'll never forget. And with the cruise ships going away into mm-hmm. the sunset, you're also thinking, there goes 5,000 obnoxious exactly. tourists, and I got the magic of Dubrovnik all to myself. Exactly. Is that the Buzo Bar? Exactly, oh. yeah, hole in the wall. The bu- yeah. That means literally the hole in the yeah. wall, and it is a hole in the medieval wall that yeah. you go through. And then they've got this uh, wonderful, funky, little, youthful crew that serves drinks to people, having that magical, romantic moment. Marianne, what, what is a good bar that you'd like to talk about? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Almost every one of those beautiful little coast town has one. Uh, one that uh, comes to mind is up north in the, um, the Istrian Peninsula. One of the most beautiful towns on the um, coastline is Rovin there and the Valentino Bar where cocktails are served. Again, sunset would be the preferred time, uh, needless to say. And the cocktails are served on those white limestone rocks that accumulated the heat from the sun for all day. And they're warming you just as you, uh, um, the sun sets over the tiny little island group in front of this beautiful historical town. They, they give you a pillow yes. and you can settle it into the rocks the way you like. And they actually That's have right. candelabra with candles on them flickering in, in the wind of the harbor. And there you are with your Croatian friends. That's right. It's just about as romantic as it gets. And that's the Valentino Bar Mm -hmm. in the town of Rovin, R-O-V-I-J-N, which I think is the best stop for me between Venice and Dubrovnik. Marjan Kriskovic and Ben Curtis, thanks so much for sharing with us your expertise on this beautiful stretch of Mediterranean coastline, the Adriatic coast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to Eastern Europe and beyond. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next European adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.